everyone. Welcome to Pence Politics with Mr. Watson. I am most certainly your host, Christian Watson. It is so great to be with all of you today on this wonderful Wednesday. Thank you guys. So, first, I must say, this is the f- first inauguratory episode of this podcast being featured on the exquisite new media network fed by Ravens. So a lot of you will be listening through my normal avenues, podcast, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, so on and so forth, Pandora, or YouTube, which I encourage all of you to subscribe to my YouTube channel at any rate, please. But some of you will also be listening from the Fed by Ravens Network. So thank you so much to Brian Hyde and Mr. Joe Carey, the two architects of that network who are both brilliant and licensed in their own right. I think you should also go listen to their shows, listen to their podcasts on Apple Podcasts and, and Spotify and so on and so forth. Just I am I have immense gratitude to them for giving me this opportunity to be able to speak my voice, to do as one of my favorite writers, Walter Emerson said in self-reliance, for for the inmost, my inmost beliefs become the outmost and to interact with everyone and gain the suffrage of the universe, meaning to gain the approval and gain the sort of consent of all of you for these ideas that I'm trying to put out there. That is my goal, and I am just so blessed and and honored to have people backing me in that goal. And so just a little bit about me. If you're new to the show, I'm Christian Watson. I, this is a very unconventional political talk show. I study philosophy. I'm still a university student. Um, but above all, else, I am someone who observes the current political scene in America and who asks himself, a country that was founded upon such immaculate principles as the human being is free in nature, free due to his God-given freedoms, free due to our capacity to reason, free due to our capacity to create, to do more than survive. Most animals can only survive instinctually. We can do more than survive. We can rise above that. For a country founded upon such immaculate principles, how have or why have we let ourselves talk about the consequence, the outgrowth, the outflow of those principles, politics, which should be meant to protect those principles, in such a bestial, primal, substandard way. Why, instead of talking about freedom, why, instead of talking about the benefit, uh, the, the importance and the benefit of the individual, why, instead of talking about those very core fundamental things, do we instead, instead deride each other, regardless of what side of the aisle or the spectrum that we're on? Why do we... Uh, why do we throw around buzzwords like right wing or left wing or liberal or conservative and then use that, those as bludgeons to attack folks? Why does that happen? What's going on here? There is a deficiency. There is a aberration. There is something going wrong when in the, one of the, the greatest country for individualism, in the greatest country, for the frontier mentality of success, for unlocking your humanity. On this planet, we have lowered ourselves to that standard. I say we will not have that standard. 
on this show and we will continue to rebel against that standard. You will never see me touting a talking point, whether I agree with the substance or not, because every political issue that plagues our discussions, that plagues reality, whatever it might be, is at the end of the day a result of a deeper principle. Let me say that again. Every political issue that plagues reality is a result, an outgrowth, a consequence, a brainchild of a deeper issue. And when we understand deeper issues, we can actually address the root of a problem as opposed to simply touching the surface, skimming the surface, and never truly becoming enlightened in that eternal tradition of truth. So again, thank you guys so much for coming onto the show and listening and watching. This is supposed to be an experience. So hope it's an experience for you. Now today, uh, we'll be talking about a few things. Uh, we're talking about Cuties, the new abomination that just can't, that is being promoted by Netflix, which many folks have rightfully scorned, and some folks have actually praised for certain reasons. We'll talk about that, get my analysis on that. We're going to talk a lot about the Joe Rogan prospect, the prospect that Joe Rogan could possibly be moderating a debate between Biden and Trump. I don't think it's going to happen, but... It's an interesting prospect, and let me tell you why. Because I, I think it really, we'll get to it, but let me tell you why. It's a very interesting prospect. I've been thinking about it a lot. And then in the second segment of the show, which will come around 23 or so minutes, we'll be talking about <clears throat> the sort of response to the brutal slaughter of a few officers, two officers in California recently. And Joe Biden's solution is to take away all the guns. Oh, yes. Oh, his solution is not, no, let's not target, uh, let's, let's not continue to target people who would seek to reap away the natural rights of uh, certain individuals. Let's not redefine and reward how we talk about police or how we talk about law enforcement, how we talk about law in general. Let us not do things that will soften the tensions of society that produce such horrific actions. No, let's go target law-abiding gun owners, and let's go target a source of their survival, their guns, <laughs> and we'll see, and, and well, that'll fix everything. Ridiculous. So <laughs> we're talking about a lot of that and more today on the Pensive Politics Podcast. So guys, unfortunately, in today's society, there are some things which do not escape the specter of politicization. And one of those things, apparently, appears to be the stat, the, sacta, the the sacrosanct status of children in American society. It appears evident to me that those who are of a developing capacity, who do not necessarily possess all of reason's fruits. All of its all of its joys and splendors, all of its rich nourishment, should be protected by those who do and understand the significance uh, of those individuals, their importance, their safety, their health, all that things. It sounds paternalistic in a sense, but it's more so, I suppose, not paternalistic. 
It's, it would be paternalistic if you were having sort of people protect the rights of those who have the capacity to reason, and that's just that, that's wrong. I'm against that. Uh, uh, those folks should be able to do what they want to do. But for people who just don't know, it's necessary to do that. And, and so th- th- this used to be the dominant standard. Uh, I, I think this still is the dominant standard. But there are some who seek to uproot this. There are some who seek to upend the purity that children re- uh, receive or the distinction they have, the purity, the distinction they have uh, in their innocence by, by utilizing them for political purposes. A very prominent example of this recently happening is the a Netflix film, Cuties, which technically was not produced by Netflix. It was produced by some crazy French person, French director, who decided that this would be a good uh, film to show, uh, to detail and to, to adulate the uh, battle against the patriarchy, so to speak. That's what Cuties is. Cuties is, according to the director of the film, an attempt to show how young women or young kids fight against the patriarchy through some sort of sexual revitalization, some sort of sexual revolution. That's what it is. Now, just the premise, we'll talk about the outrage in a second, because conservatives have rightly, rightly been lancing this crap. And I'm, I am myself, just full disclaimer, I am a right-leaning libertarian. I consider myself to have many conservative sensibilities, so you're going to have a more right-leaning take here. But I am not a doctrinaire, I'm not a dogmatist, but I do have a lot of sensibilities in that area, in some sense. And we'll get to that later. The outrage is secondary. Just the premise of that statement, we have to fight against patriarchy by using those who may or may not be subject, subject to patriarchy. <laughs> Listen to this. We have to fight against patriarchy by using those who may or may not be subject to this elusive patriarchy, who probably aren't, or probably don't even understand as weapons of our sanctimonious crusade. First of all, the premise assumes that patriarchy is a palatable issue which continues to afflict the souls of Americans and people in the 21st century on a regular basis. It is the same kind of sort of pseudo-religious, and religious in like the bad sense, pseudo-zealous, dogmatist crap that comes from the social justice school that proclaims that me as a black person by vice of my skin color, or by a vice or a misfortune of my birth, am inheriting a whole load of socioeconomic disparities and barriers. By vice of all that stuff, I am automatically disadvantaged. It is the same kind. It is the same assumption that comes from the same root. So, same root, different assumption, essentially. And when you see the when you when you, when you when you see these arguments manifest like this, you'll get very good in dissecting them, right? And so it almost sets up, this is something by religious, it sets up 
the person who believes in this stuff, to adore and praise these words, these ideas, as if they are gods, as if they are something higher than them. Well, personally for me, my faith is in Christ Jesus, personally for me. That's how, that's just, and I'm not trying to preach with you. I don't talk about religion a lot in the show, but personally for me, that's what my faith is. However, I understand that there are folks that have different beliefs. That's fine. But having a belief in a religion or a god is very different than being dogmatic about a set of principles that are easily falsifiable and have absolutely no application to the whole of the universe, but instead talk about particular moments in society. So for you to believe that there's a patriarchy that is just imposing upon all young little girls, and therefore they need to just twerk it, twerk it away, because that's what these little girls are doing in the movie. They're literally twerking. They're literally, like, like, for those of you who don't know what that is, that is when a someone moves their hips and their body and their back in a uh, very uh, salacious, seductive, uh, vicarious manner to simulate, stimulate, simulate, well, simulate, and in, stimulate, <laughs> simulate certain sexual activities. And uh, this is not an attack against the practice in general, although I, I think you can find better ways to express yourself, my friend, this is more so a statement that no matter what your political opinions are, no matter what your philosophical system is, young girls have no business to be doing that. It, 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 makes, no, it makes no sense. And they're doing that, not only, not only is them doing that a sort of sexual deviancy, uh, deviancy is that it deviates from what is moral and what is correct. And what is moral and what is correct in terms of sex are two consenting adults having sex. Two consenting adults. Listen to that. Two consenting adults. Two consenting adults. Two consent. Not, not a teenager and an adult. Not a young adult. Two consenting. That is what is morally acceptable in terms of that sort of preempt activity, period. And this is not me being approved. This is me simply adhering to the natural law. This is me simply adhering to a standard outside of my own self that can objectively be proven as a, uh, to talk about these things. So whenever sex even comes into proximity, with prepubescent or whatever, people who are just minors, and it comes from a, a sort of older source, you have to really ask yourself a question. Is this pure? It's not pure at all. So the question is, hell no, it's not pure. No, of course it's not. Oh, my Lord. Especially when, it, when, it's, when it's done. I mean, if they were just doing this just to have little girls out there twerking, that'd be, that, that's terrible. That's bad. That there, the, there is the, the moral level of moral culpability that, these, that this director woman has on her hands is just so disgusting. I promise you, if any other, if it, hmm, let me, let me comment somewhere. If any other person had videotaped a legion of women or children of any gender doing those kind of salacious dances, 
and short shorts where they can be more easily imagined in very compromising positions, they would be thrown in prison. That is exploitation. And in this sense, the children in cuties are being exploited by grown-ups who have this overarching idea of what uh, what is ailing young girls. Well, in all reality, what is ailing those young girls right there in that moment is not patriarchy. It's exploitation and it's predators, like this director. Absolute predatorship. Disgusting. Disgusting. There's no justification whatsoever to be using these kids as props for your own little twisted, demented political game. I say leave kids alone. I say leave. Ch childhood is a time of innocence, or it's supposed to be. Allow them to, 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 to taste, as Sir Francis Bacon would say in his essay. He said, he said that it's important for us to just taste a book, to like take an aspect of a book and just you know, take it for ourselves and try to understand it independent of the other path. Let them just taste childhood. Let them just, if you more closely said, just be kids. And everything else will follow, I promise you. <laughs> Let them get to the grown-up stuff when they become grown-up. I don't care how mature they seem. It's disgusting. It's vile. Man. God have mercy. And, and, and this is not just an argument from a point of moral outrage. There is just no rational reason why a child would have a stake. Why well, I say child, I mean like 10, 11, 12, it's not the age just goes here. Even 13 and so on and so forth. There's no reason a child would have a stake in the destruction of the patriarchy. Which again is, is an overstated problem. There is no First of all, women dominate a lot of industries in America. There are a lot of women CEOs. There are a lot of, I mean, a lot of the sort of disparities between men and women can be explained away uh, the, uh, through understanding occupational choice. It's not nothing to do with patriarchy. And any sort of, sort of patriarchal things that may exist or may not exist, they're not being enforced by the government. They may exist through voluntary compacts. And so if there is a woman who wants to, you know, accede a lot of working power and things like that to to her husband and they want to do, organize their union in that way, that is absolutely their right. That's not a threat if both of them know what they're doing and no one is being forced into it. I mean, I personally am, am I'm not into gender roles personally. I'm, I think that the uh, whoever is in a relationship should decide what they want to do. Not because of their sex, because they have a they have they have a value commitment to each other, and they want to have a prosperous union. So that could possibly mean a woman working, or in a man staying at home. Whatever that means, however it manifests, I don't care. I, I as long as it's voluntary, as long as it's it's consensual, as long as there's no coercion, as long as they uh, the two people understand what's going on and they know what they're getting into, it's morally just. Or morally right, I, I, should, I should say. But the, the assumption is that there's this broad patriarchy that is institutionally, systemically holding down uh, little uh, li women and things like that. And so that what we need to do, we need to potentially give the, 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 the patriarchy more authority 
and, 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 and more cause against our radical feminist movement by exploiting children for our own prurient, disgusting desires. Disgusting. I'm not going to go call this lady a, a, a pedophile. I don't know that. that. That's going too far in my opinion. I don't know. I don't, I don't get into that. But what she is doing is predatory. And on those grounds alone, that should be enough for us, any thinking person, any prudent person to say, hey, stop it. Have mercy. Anyway, QDS is bad. And it spawned this cancel Netflix thing. And the cancel Netflix idea is that Netflix is putting this on their platform, therefore we cancel it. Look, I think Netflix still has a lot of valuable content on their stuff. I'm not going to watch Cuties. Uh, but I, if I was new, if I was new, I didn't, if I was a new subscriber to Netflix, I probably wouldn't subscribe. Because this does convey a lack of moral conscience to not only host such a vile exhibition of the exploitation and the womanization of these little girls, but also to release a statement, an apology, in the form of a defense. Apologia, as the great ancient Greeks would say. Saying you know, this is actually a good thing and <laughs> that it shows how women can fight sexualization by being sexual. To have the goal to do that shows me that I, I probably don't want to contribute to your enterprise. So I entirely understand if folks want to withheld hold their money from Netflix. That is your as your consumer, that is not only your right, that is your duty. It is your duty to use the purse strings, to use the power of capital, to insert your values into companies that share your values. And to enhance those companies that ensure your values or take away from those companies that don't share your values and those who don't share your values can go over to the companies. That's how free association works. That's how it works. And so I, I think that the solution to this is don't watch it. I, I wouldn't even want to discuss it too much because the more you discuss it, the more attention you give these manic, madness-laden people. Seriously, 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 like it, it just boils my blood. So, but that's you know, and there are several good videos out about this. There's Blair White, very famous YouTuber, conservative per, um, person, who who's a who's a video about this. Several other folks, but really, I I, I watched the trailer, and that was enough for me. And if you want to satiate your curiosity about these sort of sundry matters, that's your prerogative. I wouldn't even watch the video. I, I, I wouldn't watch the trailer. I would not give this movie any of your time or energy. I would just let it die. Let it wither. Don't, don't watch it. Don't rate it. Make it so that Netflix has no choice but to take it off the network because no one is engaging with it. But the more you engage, the, from a business model, my friends, the more you engage with this stuff, the more profitable it is for Netflix. Okay, gotta go. Uh, first segment done. 
We're going to be back after a brief intermission. You are watching the Pentapolitics podcast on the Fed by Ravens radio network. Thank you guys so much. listening to the second half of the pensive politics show podcast web show all kind of things and now uh, as per the fed by ravens network a radio show i uh, just man i i just again i am beyond thankful i am beyond thankful to everyone who supported me first with this podcast i'm beyond thankful to mr hyde mr carey it's just this is just an awesome experiment and i just cannot wait to see where it goes. I'm confident the future holds good things for all lovers of liberty and anyone who is willing to raise their voices up to the top of the sky and to let their sentiments just sprinkle down like honey and hot tea and just germinate and produce something beautiful. Because that is truly what we're in the business of doing, my friends. We're in the business of producing something beautiful. Alrighty. So... Joe Rogan is poised to host the, well, okay, he's not poised. The President of the United States wants Joe Rogan to host a debate. One of the many presidential debates that are going to be held over the course of the next few months before the November election. And the Biden camp, they they have not bitten on this quite yet. As of this recording, they have not bitten quite yet. I, I suspect what's going to happen is this. The Biden camp has no interest in giving Joe Biden more debates than he can handle. Because Joe Biden is having a lot of trouble trying to handle a lot right now. Uh, for example, he just had a campaign speech where he mentioned, invoked the Harris-Biden administration. Sort of Freudian slip that conveys, in a sense, that Joe Biden does not expect to last very long in office. Or so the theories say. I don't know. I don't know what the man thinks. Only he knows the innermost contents of his, of, of his mind. But I don't know what the man thinks. What I, here's, what I think is this. I think that Joe Biden is going to do everything he can to try to stay in network-centric avenues of debate. Because he knows, A, they're going to treat him better. Oh, virtually every single... For example, Chris Wallace is going to be hosting one of these debates. Chris Wallace supports Donald Trump. He just supports the man. You can see that how he interviews him, how he's very tough. Chris Wallace supports the man. And so from just a, a an outside observer's political instincts, just from someone who is not involved in, in the Democratic Party or any other party, someone who is just a outside observer with a few values and with a mind, I'm looking at this and I'm seeing that Joe Biden is doing everything he can to position himself in the most beneficial way he can be positioned going into this election. And I don't blame him. Any candidate would do that, but it is particularly important in Biden's case because guess what? His numbers are tightening. He still maintains an upwards of 10-point lead against Donald Trump in the national but his numbers are tightening. And Donald Trump's approval numbers just went up by three points. So uh, Joe Biden and the Democrats have a serious issue here. They have a conundrum. Their conundrum is nothing more than their inability to recognize the woes of the extreme ends of their political spectrum, centrally, 
they are refusing to engage with the fact, or they refuse to engage for a very long time with the fact that there are indeed riots happening. There is indeed chaos ripping apart, rending the soul of America or attempting to rend the soul of America. There's a lot of things going on. And for a very long time, Joe Biden, and the president loves to point this out, didn't say anything until his poll numbers started to drop. And even this, oh, many folks think it was a weak condemnation. And I'm not here to throw, get in the partisan mud fight and just say, oh, Biden's this or Trump. That's not what I'm here to do. I'm simply here to offer you guys something of, of, of value, something of sort of substance to hang on to in these perilous times. These are perilous times. But the reason I think that Joe Rogan hosting a debate is interesting is because it would be, I, I from, my, from my understanding, the first debate hosted by a new media personality. What is new media? New media is any media that exists outside of the dominant framework of the traditional media. So for example, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, ABC, CBS. In the 60s and 70s, it was CBS, NBC, ABC. That was the traditional media. Then it went over, went over to CNN, went over to Fox, late 80s, early 90s, and things went from there. But these days, news is coming from decentralized sources. Vox is a good example of a new media source. Vice is a good example of a new media source. Uh, there's several others. Axios is a good example of a new media source. The Blaze TV. Hello, Mr. Beck. <laughs> He's an example of a good me- of new media source. Newsmax TV, new media source. So on and so forth. That Those are new media sources. Um, and so I think that a precedent lending credence, even this president, lending credence to a new media personality like Joe Rogan, who has the top number one podcast in the world, literally. He blows everyone out of the wall in the world. He, this guy is just, he is incredibly polemic, incredibly famous. I, I won't say he's particularly sharp because I don't, I think that Joe Rogan is someone who, I mean, he's someone who has, who represents the common man, which is fine. The common man can be smart, but he represents the common man in a way that kind of skews serious consideration of ideas. That's the thing about him. So a lot of folks on the American frontier, when they were going out, expanding the country, they were smart. They had to be smart. They had to know how to, how, how, how to construct things, how to survive harsh conditions, how to do without a lot of the amenities that we do with the day, or a lot of the amenities that people in the more urban areas at that time had. So intelligence comes in many different forms. But I feel as if R- Rogan simply excused that. He's pushing away from it. He's just like trying to be so distant and so objective while he's smoking his weed and saying, oh, well, you know, well, what about this? And, oh, these, these amazing thoughts. They're not amazing thoughts. <laughs> They're not amazing thoughts. But... I think that someone like Joe Rogan is perfect for this moment. He's perfect for this moment because new media has been an idea whose time has come, to quote, quote the, the late um, doctor, no, not, not the late, but the great, the great Dr. Ron Paul. No, Paul. no not the late. I'm not going to curse. No curses here. <laughs> the great Dr. Ron Paul. To quote him, an idea whose time has come, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come to pass. And new media is an idea whose time has come. The fact that I am communicating with you this very medium through a USB microphone over the over the internet, and you can access anywhere. You are not you are not confined or limited by radio wavelength. You're not confined or limited by a TV subscription. You're not confined or limited by a particular a a a, a single box that sits there. You can press the button on. You can listen to my voice or anyone else in the Federal Ravens Network through your phone 
through your computer, through any device that will access the internet. That is why new media is rising and traditional media is dropping. That is why traditional media, traditional, a cable itself, folks have just cut the cable and a lot of folks are just not using cable and they're all using streaming. That is why. Because these new forms, these modes of communication are taking over and they are advancing us as individuals. They are advancing industries. They are advancing the way we see information. So for Joe Rogan himself to be tapped, if he were to be tapped, again, it's a question because I'm not entirely sure the Biden-Harris campaign is going to buy into this. They're going to see it as a trap because Joe Biden barely held himself up not long enough not to make a flub about who who was actually the presidential candidate, who was the vice presidential candidate. So they're going to do everything they can to make sure he's on stage for as less amount of time as possible. But I do think that um, it's, it's just it's an interesting prospect because if Joe that would actually happen, Joe Rogan would now be the poster person, the poster boy for new media coverage of things. Because think about it, every other debate is being hosted by traditional media personalities or outlets. Seriously, they either write or they go on network news, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. But I do think that the future is moving away from that. It certainly is. And so for Joe Rogan to be tapped, that would be something else. I don't know. What do you guys think? You engage with me. Engage with me. You can follow me. Again, subscribe on YouTube. You can feel free to do whatever. Just please engage. YouTube, Apple Podcasts, subscribe there. Follow me on Twitter at, at @officialcwatson. You can see my stuff on Twitter at officialcwatson. But please, just engage. Because this is a very interesting topic that I want to really, want to really get into more. And, uh, and, and, and uh, just fair warning, I am a fair consumer of podcasts, obviously, necessarily. I mean, I make a podcast. If you don't consume the art that you endeavor to do, then what are you doing? What concepts do you have? Daniel Dennett, philosopher, he said, uh, I am... I can only use the concepts that I have at my disposal. And so if you don't have a lot of examples of what a good podcast might be, then what are you doing? It's like if you want to be a writer but you don't read, what are you doing? Why aren't you reading? You have to have access to more material to be able to create your own material. I mean, if you didn't have access to uh, to a lot of natural resources, we could never build houses. We could never make cars. We could never fashion civilizations from the mud and the dirt we couldn't do that if we didn't if we didn't have access to those materials you must have access well you actually you have access if we never engage with those materials you must engage to create quote that you must engage to create you must it is a principle of life so i listen to a lot of podcasts i am biased i know about your urban a lot of folks don't a lot of folks, especially a lot of older folks, are just they, they just don't they, they don't know about Joe Rogan because he's not a relevant figure to them. Right? They remember Walter Cronkite, remember Ted Koppel, remember Dan Rather, the the liar that he is. <laughs> I won't get into that, but still, you know, Charles Peston. They remember that. I remember they don't know about Joe Rogan, but I think it'll be very interesting. Uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll see how that goes. But another thing that has really been on my mind in the, in the last few minutes of this show, last 15 minutes. Let's talk about gun control. And and this is a topic that I've done a lot of talk about. I've not written about it a lot. I've done a lot of talk about it. 
there, I was actually on a podcast that I used to. Be, I did a, I did a, I was on a group podcast before I did this one. It was, it was that podcast was just absolutely insane and how inordinately long the episodes were. Me and my friend, we would just go on for three hours about all, all manner of things. <laughs> we're just going on for three hours. Okay, I control economics. Boom, let's talk. Three hours straight, and. When my website comes out later on in the next week, I might link some of those podcasts for posterity. Uh, but in those podcasts, I talked about gun control. There was a um, I was on with a paleo conservative individual, and I was talking about how gun control was the main argument against gun, gun, gun control is an aesthetic argument. It is an argument about appearances, not substance. Ah. And that is the argument Mr. Joe Biden made, former Vice President Joe Biden made, about uh, about gun control quite recently. So two officers in California were sitting in their patrol car, most likely looking at reports, listening to the radio to see to hear or see if they needed to be call, called in to go do some work, just doing their job as police officers, which is to protect and serve. They were like literally just sitting there waiting. A man walks up to the driver's side window, puts his, pulls out his pistol, puts his pistol to the window, pow, 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 then runs away. Officer falls out the door, wounded both of them. Terrible shooting, just absolutely abysmal. And so instead of trying to address the culture of violence and, 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 and incendiary rhetoric that flows out of our political identity, our political dynamic right now, Instead of trying to do that, instead of being prudent, instead of being coherent and trying to do that, what does Joe Biden do? What does this brilliant expositor of wisdom do? Well, he says in a tweet, weapons of war have no place in our streets. We need to ban high capacity stuff. In response to the slaughter, the butcher of two officers who were doing absolutely nothing. That is what Joe Biden had to say. Number one, Mr. Biden, how dare you reduce the lives of two people to a political slogan? What's wrong with you? How dare, what's wrong with you, Joe Biden? What, what's going on with you? That is, in, that is number one, it's, Shows insincerity on your part uh, through any assertion that you actually care about the two lives that were brutally extinguished, reaped by this sower of destruction who had in, in, in chaos, who had absolutely no motive but to just destroy a bunch of police officers for no reason. So it shows insincerity on your part, number one. Number two, number two, and this is what really, really, really gets me. How can you? Arrive late to condemning the protest, condemning the riots, and then try to lecture Americans on how they should confront violence, which is being stoked primarily not with high capacity magazines, but it's being stoked with Molotov cocktails 
It's being stoked with group intimidation tactics. It's it's being stoked with, with bludgeons and hammers. It's being stoked with knives. It's being stoked with, with, with inane rhetoric that reduces every single social situation in America to a particular set of premises and ignores everything else. How, why would you do that? It makes no sense, Vice President Biden. It makes no darn sense to me. You don't have the moral license to speak on this issue, especially when you eschew every single factor that has fed into this issue over the past few months. What? And then number three, you're pretending that someone with a criminal mindset like this would have the patience or the willingness to obey laws. This is another problem. Mr. Biden has a, a state-centric mindset. I'm going to just use that term. If I use another term, people will say, you're being too obscure. <laughs> he has a state-centric mindset. If the government says something, Mr. Biden believes it will automatically happen by will of divine providence. If he doesn't believe this, then he sure as hell is deceiving me. He is really deceiving me because I don't see any other logical explanation given the three points I just laid out to you why any thinking person, especially a presidential candidate, that could use this as a vector for political unity. He could have came out and said, you know what, guys, regardless of our political disagreements, it is wrong to brutally kill police officers. We need to fight against that. We need to calm down our rhetoric. We need to understand that we are still all Americans. We are still conceived and all come from this natural rights tradition. Why don't we just try to get along? You get that. But instead of trying to do that, instead of trying to invoke just a semblance of unity, Joe Biden had the temerity, the unmitigated mendacity to reduce those two officers' moments of their lives to a what he thought would be a valuable political moment for him. What in the world? Oh, my Lord. What's going on, people? That's not... Gun control, a law would not have stopped those two officers from getting shot. It's, it, it's in this... Also, weapons of war. The sort of odd phraseology that we have around these things makes no sense. What, well, oh. The the most often referred to weapons of war is the AR-15. But as any firearms experts will tell you, number one, it's a sporting rifle, not a weapon of war. It is, two, semi-automatic. So as opposed to an AK-47, which is fully automatic, which goes like if you shoot it, it'll have an an uninterrupted spray of bullets. The AR-15, you shoot it, it goes boom, 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 boom. It's not, it's a boom. Boom. It's a very, 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 very sort of measured, patterned, so to speak. That's the AR-15. It's not a weapon of war, but it looks scary. And so a lot of folks, especially on the left, are expecting you to think that your right to bear arms is a menace to people, not because of what it actually does, because the weapons that you use to defend yourself, which are pretty effective, by the way, semi-autos are definitely effective, and perhaps some of the most effective guns that Americans have at their disposal right now, they, because they look scary. They just look scary. Oh, my. Look at that weapon there. It appears scary. My friends, appearances 
convey something to us. But if you stop at appearances, you will become like Narcissus. All he did, and Narcissus is this old legend, old story about a guy who was eventually consumed by his vanity, consumed by his adoration for his own appearance. All he did was stare at his own appearance. Just couldn't get enough of himself. And I am genuinely convinced that a lot of folks just can't get enough of themselves or just cannot get enough of being outraged. Cannot get enough of the self. That is what I'm convinced of, my friends. And that is a concerning prospect for me. I would certainly hope it's one for you, too. Especially when it comes, as it relates to rights. For goodness sakes. As it relates to rights. For crying out loud. As it relates to your ability to do things on this earth. To be prosperous. Independent of the government. To be prosperous. And to be free enough to pursue your faith. That's what I would hope. So I would hope. I would hope for that. But unfortunately, that does not appear to be the disposition of a lot of individuals. A lot of politicians especially. The disposition of a lot of politicians is to simply say what will get their base riled up and proceed forth. Whether it means your rights are gone or not, regardless of what that means. It is to say what they think will get them whatever mode of power they're seeking. But guess what? I think Americans are smarter than that. I think those who embrace the individualist tradition of this country are smarter than that. And so I'm certain that any ploy Mr. Biden or anyone else tries to put up to gaslight you into thinking that your rights are less valuable or dangerous because of how they may appear, I trust Americans can see right through that. We saw through we saw through the British Crown. We saw through their exhortations. Oh, we're just quartering in your house to, to protect you. Oh, okay. Well, we'll negotiate with you. We'll, we'll we'll negotiate with you. We don't want you to leave the colony. We'll negotiate with you. We'll give you someone. We'll give you autonomy a little bit. Okay. Well, well we still have to, we still have to tax you. <laughs> we still have to. Okay. We still have to do a lot of other things. We still have to do a lot of unjust things that might violate your property rights. But still, we saw through it. So don't buy into this crap, this nonsense, this bile, this, this 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 intellectual sort of almost like suicidal notion that appearances are what matter. They don't. They don't matter that much. And this is not just as it relates to guns. But, I mean, as it relates to guns, this principle ought to be duly noted. But as it relates to life, too, appearance does not matter, my friends, as much as you think it does. Someone can look ornate, pristine, and all kinds of positive adjectives on the outside. But if they're black and just rotten on the inside, their heart is just black and rotten on the inside, then the question becomes, what kind of person are they? And if you know folks like this, then you know what I'm talking about. We should seek to understand things not as they are, not as they are evident to us, but as reason reveals them to us. There's a revealing aspect of every single principle in this world. Because we don't know everything. Ignorance is a pervasive affliction. And there are some things we don't need to know. Ignorance would be good. But things 
as they are, as reason should show them to us, or we should, we wish, what we should pursue after. But Mr. Joe Biden, I'm not sure he has a good sense of reason. <laughs> if you want my honest, I'm not sure he has a good sense of reason. I think that he gets his talking points from the, the staff and Kamala's calling the shots and all that kind of stuff. But that's secondary. I want to use the last minute of the show to say again, thank you guys so so much. If you could please subscribe to Apple, my my show on Apple Podcast, Pensive Politics, Spotify, Pensive Politics, wherever you get your podcast. Type in Pensive Politics, even on Google. Things will come up. Subscribe there. If you could subscribe on my YouTube page, Christian Watson, which has about 243 subscribers of the making of this video. Let's get it up to 300 before the end of the month. If we possibly can, that's my goal. It helps me. It helps me be the voice I want to be, the voice of reason, the voice of rationality that I think I want I want to be in this time of peril, in this time of just unreason and, and slavishness and tribalism. So just help me do that. Help me help you. The more you help me, I can help you. <laughs> so please do that. I'll look at my my Twitter page, my Facebook page, and my Instagram page. All of them are at Official C. Watson. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Official C. Watson. All of them. Please check them out. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, but guys, thank you so much for listening. And as always, my friends, I exhort you, please stay pensive.